Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas. Ice House is blaring on the stereo. It's humid and dangerous and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, Dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every week I sit down with my dad, John Verhoeven, and we talk about his time as a cop and we go through chapter by chapter my book about him called Loose Units. Now this week, Dad, we are up to a chapter called Drinking Fresh Mango Juice, which is a reference to which television show? Um, No idea. Oh, come on. You got me into it. Uh, the mango juice. Can you expand on that? Well, it's from Red Dwarf. I have no recollection. Yeah, of- drinking fresh mango juice. You know, Dave Lister wants to go back and live in Fiji, uh, Fiji with his cats. It doesn't matter. Oh, Fiji. Yeah, that's, interesting. That's why I named the chapter that because that's this is incredible. a reference to... Yeah. Okay, but you, if you had have said to me it was named after that wonderful the poster in The Truman Show. Remember that? He always wanted to go to Fiji. Was it Fiji? Yes. So just to explain the Fiji thing, I'm going to read here from chapter 27, Drinking Fresh Mango Juice, a reference Dad didn't get. Here we go. Christine kept reassuring John she was fine with the decision. John realized things were once again moving at the speed of light. He was 21 and as green as the face of someone struggling to digest a slurry of crabs and old tawny, but somehow he'd fallen headfirst into an office romance with guns. The coming weekend, however, might provide a chance to exercise some restraint. Christine's trip to Fiji, the one she'd opened to the floor some weeks earlier, was only days away, and as no other officers had taken her up on her offer, it would just be the two of them heading off to an island paradise after mere weeks of dating. So, Dad, one of the things that I think we talk about quite regularly is that when you were on the force, you met a young woman called Christine who was a year older than you. She was a cop, you were cops, you were partners very, very briefly. You entered into a very kind of like a whirlwind relationship And then within a few weeks, you had proposed. And so this is actually the chapter where the proposal story happens. And you and mum have both told me slightly different versions of this story. But first of all, I mean, is this something that you had planned or was mum expecting you to propose to her on this trip? Well, Paul, I had come up with a bit of an idea and that was to 
proposed to Christine, but I mean, she must have had some idea because um, later in the chapter you mentioned the ring and you say that my mother sort of passed down the ring to me, but that's actually not the case. I went and chose and paid for a beautiful, they call it a pigeon blood ruby ring with pigeon diamonds. Bl- Wait, pigeon blood? Yeah, it's a type of ruby. That, seems, that sounds very cheap. Pigeons are kind of a street bird. Surely you go for some like a something exotic, right? <clears throat> Paul, in the world of um, in the world of rare gemstones, yeah, pigeon blood rubies. <laughs> pigeon blood, Paul. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Paul. Yeah, I. I mean, that's the terminology. I know. I'm not I going know. to go back in time and question the person or persons that came up with that most descriptive term, re, rubies. Yeah. I mean, there are all types of rubies. Some rubies look sad and very dull. Right. But, I mean, why pick such a revolting animal as the as the qualitative... You know, you've got the kind of... um. You've got you've got falcons and you've got condors and you've got all kinds of. Incru- were, I thought you were going to say condoms then, Paul. A- if you were to get a pigeon, yeah, and I mean pigeons are often maligned, but I'm going to just share something with you, and it's uh-huh. just come to my mind. Okay. Do you recall what yesterday was? Uh, Anzac Day. Yes. Are you aware that one of the rarest metals? in the world in relation to war was given to a pigeon. No, but that's pretty coo coo cool. This particular pigeon, I mean, I they think... used carrier pigeons in the war. Did you know that? Yes. And they would, one particular pigeon made its way back to England and it was carrying a very important message, which I'm quite sure the information in that little note would have been a very tiny note. Mm-hmm. Had it had a very big impact on the war, and right. this particular pigeon was given a medal. Now, obviously, the pigeon didn't wear the medal for for a couple of reasons. I mean, it kept returning it for one. Well, <laughs> if they had have attached the medal to its right breast, if the medal had have been on one side of its chest, it would have just flown in circles, like a counterweight. Yeah, like okay, dragging it in. Yeah, gotcha. Or gotcha. and the guy would have thrown it up the handler, and, and would have just come crashing down. Well, here we go. It is said that a perfect ruby is the same color as the first two drops of blood from the nose of a killed pigeon. The term is said to have originated in Burma, where locals call the finest and most vivid rubies kotwe, we meaning pigeon's blood. Other sources claim the perfect ruby is also the color of the central point of a pigeon's eye. Apparently, pigeon's blood rubies are the best rubies. Wow. So I'm really, really, I feel as I've been vindicated yes. by, by your, um, your spontaneous Google search. I wasn't actually mocking you. I was saying I find it odd that pigeons, the filthiest bird there are, there is, mm. would be the kind of, you know, the gold mm. standard, if you will. But anyway, let's go but, back to the ring. So, But that's the why ring... I mentioned the, the medal in the war. Because yes. They, and, and, you know, I mean, there are people that race pigeons. Mm. I think they're a somewhat maligned bird. So let's just say that. Um, anyway, so, yeah, the ring, the ring was stunning. Yeah. But I've got a feeling that I may have teased out of Christine some pertinent information regarding a type of ring she may have liked. And 
I remember this ring was very expensive, but I felt, obviously, that it was very, very special. And for people that are into uh, rings and rubies, I can tell everyone that the ruby was almost three quarters of a carat. And in the book you say that the little diamonds were kind of, you almost describe them as sort of flecks or offcuts mm. or chips, I think you said, but they were actually um, beautiful cut diamonds. And and just jumping ahead a long, long way, your sister, Anne, now has that ring. And I've seen the ring. I know, I mean, this ring was kind of a... It figured fairly prominently into my memories of mum growing up. Mm. And I, yeah, I wasn't 100% sure, but you've got this incredible ring ready to go. You've sort of divined from Christine, you know, uh, a little bit of what kind of stuff she likes. Mm. I mean, how do you afford something like that on a policeman's salary? And 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 not a corrupt policeman. Yeah. If I had yeah. been a corrupt policeman... Easy. I could have easily bought her probably a three-carat ruby. But I was not corrupt, and I must have got into a lot of debt. Specifically, what I'd like to know, Dad, as someone who made an ostentatious proposal to their now wife, I'd love you to talk us through the actual... I mean, because people love a love story, and the most romantic part of this love story is probably the proposal, and I don't think it's ever been told properly before. So I want you to really reach back into the recesses of time, into the early 80s, and just really try and step into the head mm. of yourself and talk us through, you know, when you kind of pick, you, you get ready to go to the airport and you get there and everything's kind of, there's that, there's that kind of energy in the air. Can mm. you talk us through the actual, like what was going through your head and what it well, was like to actually go and do it? Well, Paul, I can do one better than that. Okay. I can describe to you and the listeners, mm. because as everyone knows, I was a bit of a, you know, style guru in terms of my, my clothing. Well, sure. I remember what I was wearing. I'm not kidding. And to be fair, I also have seen a photograph, which did re- remind me. Uh-huh. But to see the photo of me, Christine, my very, very dear friend, mm-hmm. um, Graham, and my mum and dad. Everyone Hang- came to the airport. Hang on. Why did they come to the airport? To say goodbye to us. Why would they all come to say goodbye to you? Because we were heading overseas. But... Is this is this a generational thing? Is this kind of a back when planes fell out of the sky every fifty? Like, because when I go to the airport, you know, you you know, why would you come and say goodbye? I mean, am I oh. misreading this? Did, did you t- okay? Did you tell them that you were proposing and they wanted to be part of it? In no, some way? no one knew. Right. Okay. But, but they maybe just- maybe my mum and dad gave us a lift out there. I'm not sure. But okay. can I can I describe what I wore? Well, I, I mean, do you want to know? Because I think it's pretty bizarre, actually. I mean. Okay, here's a question. Do you mm. remember what mum wore? Uh, she wore a dress, I think. But you remember in detail what you wore, but not the woman you proposed to. <laughs> Paul, don't... <laughs> Paul, please don't lay lay any guilt trip on me because, I mean... No, I know. just think it says something about you, your your personality. No, it, that no what it does say <laughs> yeah. is that I rarely dress nicely. Okay, and it's a big right. thing for me to dress... Uh, this was only the second time I'd ever travelled internationally. The first time when I was 17, went to live in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this particular occasion, um, I wore white pants, oh, black tight-fitting shirt, 
with a massive, colourful, from memory like a toucan, stitched into it. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And I looked, I looked bloody young. But this was you basically trying to dress for not just Fiji, but what I'm trying to say is if you know you are going to propose, presumably part of you is going, all right, I want to look good and I want, to, I want, I want her to be impressed. Mm. And, uh, you know, you're, you're not, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming a lot here, but I'm also assuming that with the knowledge that you are going to, first of all, did you know that you were going to propose on the plane? Yes, because I had the ring. Yes, but you could have done it while you were in Fiji. Why do it on the plane? I thought that was really romantic to do it at 40 thousand feet that see that this is what i'm getting at i had to pry it out of you but i'm trying to get to the fact that you actually thought about the process and what would be romantic and what would not be Mm, romantic mm. so and and possibly i wanted to join the mile high club okay moving on so listen (laughs) sorry um talk talk me through actually what okay once you kind of departed everyone else and it was just the two of you going to the airport was this um this is sydney airport right yeah no my parents drove us to the airport okay so there's a photograph of us at the airport. Right. And all ready to say our goodbyes. And, mm-hmm. you know, they certainly didn't have lounges or I was unaware of lounges. Yeah. I was not what I'd call a seasoned traveller. Mm-hmm. But Christine and I were, you know, dressed beautifully. She didn't know what I was going to do on the plane. I had the ring um, and security back then was not the way it is now. So I can't quite recall how I managed to secrete the ring through but remember, it's another time. It's very, very early 80s. Why would you need to hide the ring? Well, we're together and I wouldn't want her to see the ring. Imagine if she saw the little box, she might have thought, golly. All oh, right. So what you're saying is if you... Okay, right. So if you if you get to the point where you kind of take your keys and wallet mm, out and stuff, yeah. and you couldn't you just put it in... Oh, no, you couldn't put it in checked baggage. You'd need to have it with you. Oh, that's yes. right. Yeah. Of course, of course. And I think from memory we had pretty decent seats. If you look if you're at the back of the plane looking to the front, we we're on the right hand side. Mm-hmm. I think from memory we had emergency um, exit row seats. Great, okay. And we were flying to Fiji where I was going to meet Christine's mother, and she hadn't seen her mum in a long, long time. Um in fact a long time. And and Christine's mother had tried to send letters to Christine when Christine was in her mid to late teens. And she used to send Christmas presents because she'd separated from Christine's father. And Christine's mother, just so you're aware, um, Christine's father used to cut all the letters up uh, and then resend them back to the mother, basically saying your kids don't want to ever see or hear from you ever again. So she used to get all these Christmas cards that were cut up in little pieces. I mean, pretty sick. So, so it was how a big did, thing. Um, how did mum reconnect with her mum? Because I, I remember she needed some kind of moral support heading across to see her mum. Is this the first time she was seeing her mum after her mum had left? Um... I think no, I mean I seen, she, she'd been no. there once. She'd seen her once in you know many many years. Interesting. Okay. Um, but okay. look, we're flying. I waited till we'd sort of uh, leveled out. We're heading over to Fiji over the ocean, and I just somehow or other, um, I'm not sure whether I had the ring in my bag above or in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I got the little box, and I got the tray. 
the food tray and I put the box on the um, on the tray and then I you know Christine being an avid reader always reading um, she sort of looked at me and then she saw the box and then I you know I opened the box and there was this magnificent really beautiful stunning ring and um, I proposed to her I didn't do anything like getting on my knees or anything I just sort of looked at her and and she said yes and um, she, she put the ring on do you remember what you said? Um, not really. But I'll do you remember how she? Re- how did you talk? <laughs> this is a very just the facts, man. Version. What? What? What did it feel like to propose to somebody? I mean, you you hadn't known her that long. No, but I was fairly confident uh, that she'd say yes. Uh, wouldn't it have been a total disaster if she had have said no? Why but, did you? Why were you so sure she was going to say? Well, this? I don't actually, and I never have to this day ever believe that she actually asked any other police officers at North Sydney Police Station about the Fiji thing. Right. I think that was, um, I think that was just a bit of a story, and I think her mo- motive was, mm-hmm. um, from my perspective, and I don't think Christine and I have ever really discussed this, so I'm talking about it um, probably for the first time. Um, but I just think that I was the only person that was ever going to go to Fiji. Right. And it happened very quickly. Um, and I, and I'm just the logistics of things like how we got annual leave together and how we didn't, um, arouse the suspicion of the roster sergeant who was a real sort of fuddy duddy, Mm. if, if that's a term used these days. Um, so we did manage to keep things pretty quiet and, um, look, it, it was a double whammy, Paul. Um, I proposed to Christine. She said, yes, she's got a beautiful ring and we're heading over to what I thought was a very exotic location to meet her mother. I guess that's not that exciting. I I don't particularly enjoy meeting in-laws. Um, it's not, not my cup of tea. But when you met the mum, you were... Engaged by the time you met. We were her, engaged right? when we arrived, um, and so no one knew, and uh, my parents didn't know. Christine's mother didn't know. You didn't declare. I mean, obviously, you didn't ask Mum's dad for permission. As I you know. would never. That's no. That's no, not in my. I just. That's not how I. Yeah, it's it's funny that that whole topic is interesting in that I kind of feel that it would be kind of nice to be asked that. Yeah, which is funny but another little thing i'd like to throw in not only did i bring and this is something i don't think you know and that is that not only did i manage to get a really beautiful ring but uh and i don't want to sort of and i'm not going to place this on the same level obviously in terms of importance but i have always been fascinated in shortwave radio at the airport i bought a shortwave radio um, wait, on the way there or on yes, the way? Yes, no, on the way to Fiji. Okay. And it was massive and it was duty-free. It was a national Panasonic. And to the listeners and you at this point in the story, you're thinking, so what? But this is very, very interesting. This plays a role, this radio, yeah. in something pretty exciting that happened in a kind of good, bad way while mm-hmm. we were in Fiji. So okay. maybe we can just park that little thought. Yes, of course. Um, now, we arrived at... Nandi Airport and Fiji back in the very early 80s. I'm not going to say it was third world, but it was kind of... Second? 
Yeah, second world. I don't know whether there's a term, second world, but you know, it was a it was pretty kind of interesting, almost stepping back in time, dare I say it. Uh, but very beautiful. We were on the coral coast, which is just magnificent. The ocean was crystal clear, like liquid sapphires, and we uh, made our way to dead pigeon a... sapphires, or no, just no, regular, no, no, just just normal ones. And uh, we made our way to a uh, sort of a resort called Vacaviti, and Christine's mother was the kind of live-in manager. And in terms of um, resorts, it was probably regarded, dare I say it, as fairly upmarket. It was like it was on one side of the road, and on the other side of the road was was the reef. And that reef was it was just stunning. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project. There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And the block of land was fairly steep. Mm -hmm. And we met Christine's mother. I remember her. She wore a sort of a sarong. That's all she ever wore. And she loved drinking beer and swimming in the pool. She was an incredible cook. And her husband, Timochi Vosalangi, is... uh, one of the uh, the chiefs. In fact, he's the chief of Singatoka. He's royalty. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's really connected. And does, does that mean by by the transitive properties of marriage, I am in the line for some kind of Fijian title? Um, I'm not sure whether they whether they do that as in the British royalty. Mm. Um, I don't know. But Tim, as you know, Tim is the loveliest guy. Yes, and uh, he 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 absolutely loves 
loves you kids. Mm. Um, and the weather there was hot. Um, you know, it used to rain a fair bit, but it was kind of idyllic. Um, but I rigged up my shortwave radio mm-hmm. and I remember one day I heard on the shortwave band, which is sort of international upper and lower side band, sort of, you know, working on very long distance communications. I heard some news that um, the British had gone to war in the Falkland Islands. Oh, shit, on your shortwave while you I heard it on the shortwave while we were on holidays and I heard that before any of the mainstream media had heard it. And I... I remember hearing it, and, and it was quite a quite a moment. I mean, that was quite quite an event. And I remember telling Christine and everyone, all the guests there, what I'd heard, and it was just quite fascinating. And then Tim, at night time, he used to take me diving on the reef, and um, yeah, we had a we had a wonderful time, and uh, you know, I really really enjoyed it. But the the primary thing about that that holiday was being with Christine, and we spent every second of every minute of every hour of every day uh, mm. together and we were there for I believe it was two weeks and um, you know I, I, I hope Christine's mum liked me and uh, you know we were um, definitely uh, very happy and then Christine's mother uh, she knew all the owners of all the resorts and all the islands and she yeah. organised for Christine and myself to go out to this island which I was very nervous about because back then this island was 400 US dollars per night. Now, 400 US today is not cheap. Uh, back then it's, it's it's so expensive it would have exceeded it would have Jesus. been a month's wage. Mm. It's just so and she booked us in as a yeah. gift and we sailed out to this stunning island and we were not just on the island in a kind of a nice little flat no we were on one of the bourrées on the water's edge and this was for me and still is to this day Mm -hmm. one of the most extraordinary locations I've ever been in and Christine and I were in awe and I remember, um, if I may be so bold as to just tell you a little story, Paul, about the island. Sure. Yeah, and Christine is, I'm not going to say she's hard to impress, but she... Is a little hard to impress? Well, she's kind of, she's trying to find a way of... She's unflappable, I think. Yeah, nothing really phases her. She's kind Mm. of just really cool, whereas I'm running around the house bouncing off walls on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. She's very measured, calm, methodical, thinks things, thinks before she speaks. Yeah, uh, She's very deliberate in her yep. enunciation. But I had an opportunity to really impress Christine, bearing in mind that she spent a lot of her days sitting on the beach reading. And I just, I'm not like that. That's not how my my DNA works. I like to be doing things. Um, But they had water skiing. And I went out, you had to go out into the, the, basically, you're on an atoll. 
in the yeah. middle of look it's just it's one of those great smaller islands that would be featured in any top class premium magazine that sort of advertises the greatest places on earth this was mm-hmm. really this is the big league and the sands are pure white and it's just the temperature is incredible i'm 21 i've just proposed to christine it's idyllic if you had to tick all the boxes uh this this is ticking a lot of the boxes and i made my way out i'd, I'd heard that there was water skiing available and i was a very good water skier um, I'd, I'd been water skiing for years and christine had never seen me water ski anyway this big black boat sort of comes from the other side of the island there's this massive you know fijian you know guy who's sort of um in control of this speedboat this was a beast this speedboat mm. it was a monster and he i'm sort of up to my waist in water and he he senses that you know i'd like to have a ski and he comes he brings the boat right in and he goes to reach behind and he grabs two skis and as he's about to pass me these two skis he i just sort of indicate no no i don't need and then he kind of puts one ski down and he thinks oh okay well this guy's he can ski so we'll just give him one ski and then i got to do something which i think was a little bit exciting i got to to sort of wave off the second ski so he puts both skis back in the boat he realizes that i can barefoot so he hands me the bar and he then takes up the slack now he's obviously a very very experienced boat operator and he knows about water skiing and the thing about water skiing paul is that there are three speeds basically there's the speed for if you're on two skis because you come out of the water really quickly on two skis mm-hmm. if you're on one ski you need a bit more grunt to get you up because there's incredible resistance initially until you're out of the water and then you've got barefooting and barefooting is a completely different scenario and i knew christine was on the beach and oh wait shit sorry i'm getting a phone call hang on a sec Hello? Hello, my little darling. Hello, Grandma. How are you? Wonderful. Marvellous. So how are you going? I'm really good. I, uh, Dad and I are actually, it's funny, you, you've actually called while we're recording an episode of Loose Units, and it's the episode where where Christine meets you for the first time, and you are Oh, on- my gosh. Now, can, can, now, is it okay? I mean, I wanted to pop you on the show and have you kind of explain from your perspective very quickly what what your side of that story was but i also want to point out that dad can hear you but you can't hear him so uh if that yeah but but um do you remember how accurate is that story first of all i can't remember being very accurate but it's a good story and who cares eh? (laughs) (laughs) i'm a great one for the drama anyway right right Uh, (laughs) but does that Um, does that sound out of character for you or does that sound like something you would do it doesn't Look, I don't care. Yes, I don't feel bad. I, I love a bit of a laugh anyway. Well, I'm glad. I'm really, because people are very, you know, protective of you and they think maybe the story was a, went a bit too far. But, I mean, apart from the toilet thing, do you remember what you first thought of mum when you met her? I thought she was the most beautiful, gorgeous, smile, 
heavenly eyes, beautiful teeth. She was just absolutely beautiful. And John had sort of uh, told us about her. Yeah. I laughed when I said, oh, is she a Catholic? <laughs> anyway, I am a very strong Catholic because I go to Mass every day. Mm. And I do the reading and everybody says, I'm, because I'm so dramatic, I make it the most boring thing sound incredibly interesting. <laughs> I think that's honestly, I think that's where I got the performative side of my, you know. Oh, oh look, I tell you what, I am... Yesterday, I was out at a function, and it was um, around at the Time and Tide. I don't know if you remember Time and Tide. Mm. It's a hotel sort of round Croma. Well, I went there because Kathy and Adam were playing, and hundreds of people came up to me and told me I taught them. Oh, that's lovely. I mean, the only reason I ever actually, you know, learned to read effectively, I think it's kind of your fault this whole thing happened, honestly, because, you know, you taught dad to be ostentatious and then, you know, you kind of influenced me and got me into writing. And as a result, I wrote a book about your son. I mean, is that is that a weird thing for you to have? I think it's marvellous. You know, I don't know if you remember, mm. but when you were, uh, you left school and mm. you were doing art yeah. and I read something you wrote and I said, Paul... You are the most marvellous writer. For Pete's sake, go back and finish and do your HSC. You are stunning. And I did. I did. And, I mean, it was, I just thought, I said to you, you're wasting your marvellous talent. There it is, sitting there, not being used. <laughs> Writing, you were phenomenal. And that was, that was. let's see, you would have been about, what, uh, 16? 15, 16? Yeah, around about Yeah, that. and you'd left school. Mm. And you were very, very good at art. I mean, there's no two ways about it. But with your intellect, I just thought you've got to do, you've got to, look, you're so clever, Paul. You are, and you're original, you're everything, and it's all come down from both sides of the family. I think it's all you. I think it's all you. Well, I'm certainly, uh, <laughs> you should, you've got no idea what, when I go to church every day, I've got all these people coming in. We're all going off for coffee here, there. Oh, I've got huge numbers of people who sort of rush up and hug me. Oh. I'm the most hugged person on the northern beaches, very, I reckon. Very popular. <laughs> yeah, very popular. Well, look, Grandma, is there anything you want to say? I mean, d first of all, Dad, are you still there? I'm listening. Yeah, Dad's listening. Um, can you hear? Well, you tell him he is an absolute gem, a wonderful, fabulous son. I am so blessed. I've got the most marvellous marvellous family in the world. Oh. So how's that? That's lovely. Well, look, I'll give you a proper call later on, Grandma, when you're not kind of starring on the podcast. But thank you so much for thank you so much for calling. Goody, darling. Why, lots of love. All right. Bye. 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 I mean, what are the odds of that happening? <clears throat> the odds are... <laughs> God. Because I wanted to... I asked her about the, the... Okay, there's a story in the second half of this chapter which involves... Christine, uh, I'm calling her Christine because that's the character's name, meeting um, your mum for the first time. And, okay, tell the story from your perspective because, first of all, uh, was it weird having your mum on the show? Mm, well, odd, but can I just, shall I finish the water skiing story or? I guess so, yeah, okay. Um, just briefly. So, anyway, the the guy, he, he knew what to do with barefooting and I barefooted out into, into the sort of the distance and then he did a big arc and I came back and I got to do something that, that worked out really well, which is where I sort of came in really fast and just flicked the rope and just basically walked up on the beach like in a movie. 
uh, and Christine never saw it. Right. So that was, yeah. Anyway, that was that story. Huh. It's a bit of a fizzer, really, isn't it? I'm, no, I'm just, I'm sorry that um, your mum swooped in and sort of derailed it a little bit. Okay, so when when mum met, when mum met your mum, mm. uh, like what? Can you walk us through the story as it's told <clears throat> in the book? Well, as it's told in the book is as it happened. Okay. Um, and that is that it would have more than likely been on a weekend and I was bringing Christine home to meet my parents. You know, it's the family home that I don't live in. I remember, I think the front door would have been open. Um, I'm not sure whether anyone else was at home, but I shouted out to mum and mum basically just said, look, come on in. And Christine's feeling... You know, it's, I mean, it's pretty nerve-wracking. Let's face it, who of us out there hasn't suffered some degree of anxiety in meeting in-laws or potential in-laws? It's pretty kind of, you know, you like to sort of... You just never know what they're going to think. Yeah, of course. And Christine certainly was... Oh, by the way, everyone, Christine was extraordinarily shy. Um, how shy was Christine when I first met her? We, she, we never held hands in public. Ever. I would argue she's ever. still a bit shy. Yeah, know. she's still shy. Mm. But but I could never, ever hold her hands in public. Ever. She was so embarrassed. Right. Like just, you know, and that, that took years for her to get over. So getting across to meet your very performative mum. Yeah. Was be I mean, it was sort of a, it was two, two opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of personality. My mother is, as she sounded just a few minutes ago, Mm-hmm. That is how she is. She has, she's never sounded any, any different. And uh, and she's c- sort of calling us down. And I had this really bad feeling, a bad feeling, that I and I hoped I was wrong. I hoped that she wasn't where I thought she was. But at that stage, you sort of come down in my parents' old house. You'd walk sort of through the front door, sort of, you'd sort of come to a T intersection. Mm-hmm. Um and at the T intersection, you could turn left to go into the kitchen. Yep. Um, but turn to the right and you'd go down this fairly long hallway. And off that hallway were bedrooms. Yep. And, and at the very end, at the very end. At the end. very end was their, was their bedroom. Mm. But before that, on the left was the bathroom. But I sensed with the sort of the vibrato of, of her tone that there was, in fact, she was actually in a room which was tiled. Not so you heard bathroom. I, you heard bathroom acoustics. Well, like, yeah, the acoustics you could you could tell, and and the bathroom acoustics are are unique to the rest of the place, which is carpeted, mm-hmm. which has sort of a dead sound. But and sure enough, my mother is not just in the bathroom, maybe looking at herself, makeup, washing hands. Uh, no, no, my mother is sitting on the toilet. Actually, sitting on the toilet. Using the toilet, she's using the toilet, and she's, she's kind of she's oblivious. My my mother doesn't care because she's she comes from a long line of eccentrics, and you know for some people listening to this, it's pretty creepy, and for me, it's yeah, it's pretty creepy because uh, I think it's just bizarre. Um, I mean, as little kids, like it's that's kind of you know in in families that sort of stuff does happen, but no, no, not not when your eldest son is bringing home for the big meeting to meet. <laughs> my future wife and and I just 
I just couldn't believe. But I couldn't. It had already started, the process. And my mother's very insistent. So Christine, I mean, I'm aware. I've walked past and I'm sort of, I've turned around to look at Christine, but I, so I can actually kind of see Christine going from a very, very normal, just a sort of a slightly anxious sort of look on her face, not knowing what she's about to see, that I knew what she was about to see. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I was feeling quite ill because I thought, shit, this could really, Christine might just go, you know what, this is crazy. And I don't think I want to actually know your family because they're all insane. Sure. And um, and Christine was gracious. And uh, she could have won a poker competition because I couldn't tell what she was thinking. She was very loving and hospitable and, and greeted my mother and as though my mother was um, sort of on some regal throne, fully, ad- you know, fully kitted out and clothed. Well, she was clothed, but she had a. She was sitting on the toilet. It was just one of those moments where it kind of made me. It was like a mirror looking at um, my mother's side of the family, you know, which you could do two hundred podcasts on her side of the family yeah. in terms of their their eccentricities, their oddities, of which are still you know, the four sisters are still alive, and they're all they're 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 different, um, big characters, yeah. big. Big and four of them in a room. Wow, it's pretty intense. I think your mum might be kind of somewhere in the middle of the rankings of the yeah, eccentricity. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So your your you know Christine met your mum. Mm. It went okay in spite of things. You met yeah. her mum, right? So it seems like the relationship was off to a pretty good start, right? Mm. I think Christine's mother liked me, but you know, you know how you were chatting with my mother just a few minutes ago. Yeah, and my mother mentions the Time and Tide Hotel in sort of Cromer, yeah, D.Y. West. I mean, that kind of gave me the creeps a little bit because that's where I met Christine's father and stepmother for the first time. And then to hear my mother mention that place is is weird, but um, yeah, Christine, she um, she just embraced the uh, the Verhoeven uh, family with all all the idiosyncrasies. Paul, do we talk about when Christine and I actually got married? Is that in the book or no? No, it's oh, not. Cool. So, just just FYI, heads up, Christine and I. I mean, can I mention that when Christine and I got married, she was five months pregnant. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, okay. So right. So when did right? You didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. Cool. So she if you look showing, at the photographs, showing it. Yeah, I've seen the photos. I just didn't. No, she's that. five months pregnant. Oh, okay. And uh, so, and we, Christine and I, got married in a in a registry office. Well, one person I would have expected to be there who I guess chronologically wouldn't be there was Julian. Um, um, was he Was he there at the wedding? Oh, he was there. Okay. Because next week we really start diving into the Julian stuff uh, and really start looking at your kind of work together as cops. And it's mm. going to become basically this season from next week on is going to become a full-blown, very dark buddy kind of buddy Brilliant. cop Love thing. It. So yep. that's going to be very exciting. So- we hope you stay tuned for that. And Dad and I have got a really big episode of Loose Ends planned for the tail end of this week. But we hope you've enjoyed this very Verhoeven family heavy episode of Loose Units Origins. We hope you're doing well. And we will see you at the end of the week for more Loose Units. Bye. Bye. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.